You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on charity season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 350. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A great podcast for you today. Comedian Jared Freed is on the podcast for the first time. I know you've seen his Bachelorette and Bachelor commentary that he does on his Instagram stories. He's the funniest guy going right now in terms of recapping this show, and it's not even close. We're going to talk to him momentarily. So if you want to get into... Before we get into all this stuff with Jared, um, and I'm so excited for you to listen to him today. Just a great, great interview. First time I've ever spoken to him. It was set up through his agency. He called me yesterday. We recorded, and it was just, it was great because you know how I love stand up comedy. And the best part about Jared and his story is that he's been a stand up comic for 13 years now, and in two weeks, he gets his first Netflix special. August 15th, it's called 37 and Single. It's going to be on Netflix. We talk about it on the podcast. And I just have such a respect for the stand-up comedy game and the people that put in the time and put in the work. And seeing Jared, he is a to me, he's a social media comic. Like I got to know him through social media. And through these Bachelor recaps that just got passed around, you see it every once in a while, and it's like, it's so good. He's very, very good at observational humor, and he's not mean. He doesn't put people down. He's just having fun with it, and I think it's great. And to see that he's getting his first Netflix special in two weeks is awesome. So we'll talk about that. Before we get to him, obviously some big news in Bachelor Nation yesterday. Gabby Windy reveals that she is dating a girl. Her name is Robbie Hoffman. She is a comedian and TV writer. This was the first I had heard of it. You know, when we've had people come out in the past, Colton, I had heard about Colton well before. Um, his was more of rumblings, but there was so much around it, I, I assumed it was true. Uh, Becca Tilly, a lot of people in Bachelor Nation knew, and a lot of people knew that she had been dating Haley Kyoko for four years. Um, that was well known. Um, Demi. Anyway, um, you know, there, there are people that it was known before it actually became public. But Gabby, uh, I'm not saying I'm supposed to know. I'm just saying with other ones, I had heard rumblings or flat out knew. Gabby, I had no idea. I was uh, just as surprised that I think a lot of people were out there. But good for her. Um, she seems happy. And just the way she coincided it with appearing on The View yesterday morning and also revealing it on Instagram, good for her. Uh, I did want to correct one thing. I talked about this on my daily roundup yesterday when on my daily roundup, I was talking about the fact that apologies in bachelor nation. We were talking about Nick's apology from last week in regards to the golden bachelor. I thought it was a half-ass apology and it wasn't really a good one that he did on his podcast that this week. And I was talking about past apologies, Rachel Coconnell's and I even talked about Greer's, but I said that Greer's apology was for, the Brock Turner Facebook post that she made in 2016 where she defended him. And that's not what Greer wrote. Greer was defending blackface. Her friends were defending blackface and Greer was basically supporting those friends in tweets from years ago. Uh, the black, uh, the Brock Turner defense was from Vanessa Esparson and she was a woman who was possibly going to be on Zach Shalcross's season at the beginning of this year. And when the cast was released last September, within minutes, someone sent me that, that she had that Facebook post defending Brock Turner. I put it out there and said, this this woman doesn't need to be on the show. Um, not because she has an opinion about something as, as bad as the opinion was and how awful as it was. It's more along the lines of she will be crucified by the media if you put her on this show. By the fact that they didn't put her on this show, has anybody talked about it since? No. She even came out, even though she didn't get cash, she ended up still apologizing, which is good for her. I hope she did realize the error of her ways when she posted that and defended Brock Turner, who raped a girl behind a dumpster at Stanford. Like, there's no defense whatsoever. So, um, but she, 
she came out and even though she didn't make the cast of Zach's season, she still came out and def- and apologized. So I appreciate that. But yesterday I said Greer was the one who made the Facebook post about Rock Turner, and I was wrong about that. So just wanted to uh, clear that up. Um, Big Brother started last night. <laughs> I mean, this show, I- I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch every episode. So I'm not... But this is one of these shows that I'm going to probably have more complaints about and more questions about than any other show that I cover. It's just so corny and so hokey and such a time waste most of the time, you know? Like, last night, I understand it's the first episode, and we don't know who any of the 16 contestants are, so great, I understand. Got to give us an intro video to everybody. Let us get to know them real quick. But then you get them standing there and then Julie talking so slow and saying the same thing over and over about expect the unexpected. And we've never done this in Big Brother history. It's like, okay, but you do some sort of twist every single season. When you do twists every single season, they kind of lose their luster. I still don't even know what the twist was last night. They talked about the biggest twist to start the show. What was it? The, because they have a, a a scary verse and a humiliverse, that's the twist? Was the twist the fact that they added Sari at the end of the show? I mean, I guess that's a twist, but I, I don't... I've only watched the show since season 21, but I know that they've added people before. Uh, after the show has started filming, they've added people before, so this is nothing new that they added Sari. I mean, I, 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 I think it's great. Man, Sari, TV people love her. I mean, Jesus. Four seasons of Survivor, one season of Traders, which she won. Now they're bringing her on Big Brother. And you're like, man, they love her for television. And I'm guessing a lot of the people in that house probably have an idea of who Sari is. They probably don't know that Jared is her son. I'm, I'm guessing Sari and Jared don't want to make that known to anybody in the house. But I... Look, if I'm in that house and I see Sari in there, she's one of the first people I target. But it's just going to be a matter of, is this cast scared of her or in awe of her because they're such big fans? Are they going to fangirl over her and just let her ride until halfway through the season? Then all of a sudden, Sari's in the final eight or something, and then she's going to work her magic and get to the end. It's just a matter of, I don't know how this cast feels. Um, if I'm in the cast, she's one of the first people I target. She's too good of a player. She's one traitors where all you do is lie to people. And she lied to everybody on that cast outside of the two other traders that she was with. She had to lie all season. She was one of the traders and nobody had a fucking clue. She's that good. Get her out of there. <laughs> if you want to win, you need to target Suri early. Who knows what they'll do? Um, I briefly looked at some live uh, updates on Twitter last night from the live feeds. Didn't there wasn't anything in there that was remote unless I just missed it. Wasn't anything in there that was remotely interesting that happened last night once the live feeds were turned on. But I could have missed something because by the time I'm recording this, there's going to be hours and hours of footage. I this basically I only read stuff up to about 1 a.m. Central Time, so it was only on for a few hours, uh, and I didn't see anything that was worth noting. Anyway, um, yeah, Big Brother, Wednesday. I know it's not on tomorrow. It's Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, next week. So Thursdays we get our first uh, eviction. This podcast is brought to you by Earth Echo Foods, their healthy, feel-good superfood product called Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smoothie, creamy chocolate, knowing you're actually doing something good for your body. Cacao Bliss starts with 100% USDA organic, rare, ceremonial-grade cacao beans that are naturally dried by the sun, maintaining their miraculous health benefits. You love chocolate. We all love chocolate. We like to eat chocolate. Sometimes we like to drink chocolate. How would you like to have chocolate but guilt-free? It's going to help reduce your cravings, facilitate weight loss, boost your energy, also help combat inflammation. One simple, delicious drink. I've incorporated it into my diet now. I have tried to ha- I try to get at least one in a day, and I put it into a shake. All I do is take one scoop, 10 ounces of water, shake it up, pound it. 
Very, very good. You can put it in with milk. You can put it in your baked goods. You can put it in any other protein shake you want to do. This stuff is really good. So go to shop.earthechofoods.com slash realitysteve, promo code realitysteve. That gets you 15% off when you visit Earth Echo Foods. That's shop.earthechofoods.com slash realitysteve, promo code realitysteve. Gets you 15% off everything at Earth Echo Foods. If you don't remember the website address, it does not matter. Go to the show description wherever you listen to your podcast. Click on Earth Echo Foods. It'll bring you right to the landing page. Purchase your Cacao Bliss and also anything you want there for 15% off. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 350. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, he's a comedian. He hosts the J Train Luxury Lounge and You Up podcast. He's got a Netflix special coming out August 15th called 37 and Single. You might know him best for his hilarious Bachelor and Bachelorette recaps on Instagram and TikTok. It is Jared Freed. Jared, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So first off, right off the bat, I think we have something in common. We both okay. we both seem to have a strong dislike for Nick Vial. So I watched this. <laughs> I saw you talking about this on a recent podcast. What <clears throat> what was the situation or what was the issue that you were having with him, or maybe you still do have with him? There's no issue. I you know it, it's really like listen. I want to go and you know everything I do is a, a certain a promotion. You know and. Yeah. I, I I like you know and I put shows together and I want more people to listen to my podcast. I want more people to watch my Bachelor live stream. And I had Nick on my podcast, the J Train podcast, years ago when he first started his podcast. And then we were like, hey, let's you know you up, Jordan. And I want to come on yours and you come on ours and let's have a fun time promoting each other. And he does, he he said no, and I'm like, that's strange. For someone whose whole season on The Bachelor was about promoting himself, he doesn't want to promote himself anymore. It, it's just weird to me, and I, it, you know, I, it's just uh, I'm like, I, and again, the the invitation is still open. I'd love to go on his. I'd love to have him on ours, but it's just strange, you know. Um, and I think you know that probably comes down to insecurity. I'm a guy who's insecure. Uh, I got body issues and all those things, so I'm sure there's. That that has to be the reason that he wouldn't want to have another guy on his show to talk, you know, dating with him. He might not, you know, feel that that I would maybe I, I maybe I'd give an opinion that would sound funnier and more fun and entertaining than his. And that's why he doesn't want to have me on. Well, you you nailed the answer right there. The reason he's not having you on, Jared, <laughs> is because you are funnier than him. He doesn't want to put well, anyone they, on that's better than him. That's the that's the issue. That, that's the to me, it's like, you know, he gets what he wants because now we're talking about him. But I am I would say, like, there's a empathetic answer to myself and there's an empathetic answer to him. And the one to, you know, the one to myself is I'm so funny that he was intimidated. And the one that's empathetic to him is he goes, I don't think Jared's that funny. And maybe that's what he thinks. But, you know, I guess there's people out there that would disagree. Yeah. No, I, it's it's definitely not that. It's it's definitely an insecurity on his end. He's just not going to put any – you know, look, as much as I dislike the guy, he has risen to a status, and this whole franchise is all about mm. almost, almost like a high school clique. You know, you last long on the show. You don't hang out with the people who got eliminated at the first row ceremony. It just doesn't happen. Right. You know? That, so, well, that is the that's the thing you start to realize. Yeah. Like, they um, – Listen, we live in the follower economy and, you know, the bachelor nation is kind of built on the follower economy. So you can kind of see and, and I've met so many of the contestants and people who have been on the show and I've been like super impressed by just like so many of them that it makes you more disappointed in the people that are very, quote unquote, Hollywood in that way. Like, you know, Tyler Cameron, I, I don't think I've met a nicer guy in the world. He has no reason to be nice to me. Um, and he's been nothing but nice and cordial and great. And I'm not even saying that cause you know, I've been on his shows. He's just a nice guy. And you're like, man, uh, that's someone with, you know, the biggest following and the, and is still so nice. So, which is great. Yeah. And it's just almost a case by case basis. It doesn't necessarily mean highest follower equals the biggest dick or the biggest bitch, you know, right. Right. because I don't know if you know this, but Tyler Cameron is the most followed contestant, male contestant in bachelor history. He, there's nobody that's got more followers than him, but yet you said, he's I didn't, one of the nicest guys. Yeah. I didn't even know that. And he is yeah. like, I listen, I, I, I don't want to hate, I don't want to come on here and just hate on Nick because I'm like, 
you know, the guy obviously has an issue, but at the, at the same time, I want to like, you know, rise up the people that have been nice to me, Tyler, you know, there's no one nicer than that guy. Yeah, it is. It is a thing. Uh, it is like a like you said, high school click. It said it's it's high school clickish, and he has reached a certain status within this franchise where he absolutely, you know, I'm talking about Nick here, not Tyler. Where Nick absolutely thinks he's better and above people and above having certain people on his show now. But um, but here's the thing, you know, like you know, it, it's funny because I I ended up being right because my his whole season, my whole joke about him was that he was a producer on his own show. And it's like, this is what producers do. They, you know, they exclude and include and make sure that they're, you know, that he's acting like a producer right now. Well, <laughs> and he and he actually loves, you know, being in that position. But just right. just this thought of, of you covering the show, uh, you know, as you do men stand up, I believe I read in one of your captions about 13 years now. Um, mm. How did you get started with this whole, I just want to start making fun of The Bachelor and Bachelorette on on social media. Uh, so it's a couple of things. I loved, I loved when I would date women, I would watch the shows that they enjoyed and kind of like chirping in with my opinion. It always was fun. I would always get laughs out of the women that I was dating. And I just thought it was great to like talk about these shows. And I love reality TV. I've always, I've watched a little bit of every reality TV show that's like literally ever been made. Gotcha. And so I've always been watching reality TV. It kind of fits with my age. I'm 38 now. And as I've grown up, like it's kind of like the golden age of reality. There's road rules, there's real world, there's, you know, there's Joe Millionaire, there's The Bachelor. All these shows were kind of, yeah, uh, you know, Rock of Love, you know, Flavor of Love. All these shows were kind of right in the wheelhouse of when I'd be watching TV on a daily basis. So I've always watched these shows. I've always been entertained by them. And then when I would sit with like, you know, when I'd talk The Bachelor or if I'd watch over the shoulder of like someone I was dating or a woman that I was friends with, I always seemed to get like uh, have fun with it in a way that I think sometimes is hard for people to do. I think with The Bachelor... I have fun with it. I'm like, you know, I'm making jokes about the show, but I don't think it's mean. I'm not trying to be mean. And it's really like, you know, sometimes I'm sure you get this a lot. Someone has to come up to you and tell you, I never watched that show. They have to like take a big, they've kind of put their fists up. They're like, I never watched The Bachelor. I never do this. I never that. I hate that show. And I'm like, okay, I don't care. And it is about dating. It is about relationships. And I'm like, okay, let me make this show fun in a way that like, Kind of just like, you know, it, it doesn't make it as serious because I think some people, if you're out there and you're single and you're watching a show where 30 men are trying to date one woman and you're out there and single woman, single man, you're like, wait a minute, I can't even get a date with the pot. <laughs> so I do understand why it upsets people. Well, here's the thing that I love. <clears throat> I love about your stuff. And 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 this is something that I've been doing for years. I've been writing episode recaps of this show since 2003. Mm. So I've been doing this right. for almost tw uh, 20 years now. And for the mm. longest time, I was going the route of, I don't want to say I was copying Howard Stern, but it was more about objectifying the women and making fun of them in terms of what they wore and how they looked. And obviously that doesn't fly mm. anymore. And I realize that. And I don't do it anymore. It's more about spoilers mm. for me. But I do like the way that you are able to make fun of this show. And I don't think anybody could say, oh, you know what? that Jared really crosses the line because it doesn't at all. It's very funny, <laughs> no, I, yet it's clean and it's not offensive to anybody. And it's, that's hard to do. It really is. I, well, I appreciate that. And it is, um, listen, that's not to say I don't make mistakes or do jokes that I wouldn't do again. I, I would never say that, but I will say this. Um, I don't, my, my comedy is never meant to make someone feel bad. I, I want people who I make fun of to be in on the joke. I want the joke to be about me, you know, a lot of the times I want it to be personal. Like, you know, something that I always do is I, when I make fun of the show, I say, why, why something would never happen in my parents' house. Like when they do hometowns, like, yeah. you know, there was a, there was a scene this past episode where they go sit on a bench outside the house. Like a fun thing for me to make fun of is like, my mom would be yelling out the front door. Why are you sitting on that bench? And if it's in people related to it. So I appreciate that you noticed that, and it, it, I'm not ever looking to make someone's day worse. Um, but I, I really, you know, I think also, like, as a stand-up, what you find is that the stand-ups that 
are older and not working at their jokes as much are the ones that say everyone's offended. The ones that are getting on stage every night and that are seasoned comedians and are doing the job don't seem to have an issue with towing the line because they're seeing, I, I go on stage every night and I see an audience reaction. I know what I sound like more or less. I try to, you know, listen to the feedback of, you know, I, I go on stage and I do bomb. So when I bomb, those are lessons learned and, you know, maybe I'm not going to do that the next night, you know? Well, you, you fu- it's funny you brought up the benches from uh, when Joey and Charity went out on the bench in front of his house. Yeah. I, you know, I was watching in your last recap and not only that, but then you were able to kind of compound that joke with the bench appearing two more times in, right. the, ep- in the episode <laughs> when Dotton and her were sitting on a bench in the middle of a forest. And then, oh, here's a bench after Aaron gets eliminated at an airport hangar. You're just like, I mean, that's funny. That's comedy. <laughs> that's great observational comedy on your part right there. That's the thing. I, you know, I, I, I tend to believe, I tend to believe uh, that offensive is just another way to say that someone was lazy. Yeah, and I, you know, I spend an, I spend a lot of time watching these shows, looking for those things, and like again, the bench coming back up, like you know, that's so much fun. That's not an easy joke to make. That's like you know, when the bench keeps coming, and the bench on this scene, the bench on that scene, then that bench looks different than the other bench, and that bench looks like it'll be at a bus stop versus at a private jet. Like I think that's so funny, and you know, I think that's you know, I you said thirteen years. I've been doing stand up thirteen years. I think that's why it takes a little bit longer for someone like me to have a Netflix special because it's like, listen, you're going to do the joke that isn't going to be the one that they have headlines about where they're like, oh, offensive comedian does this. No, I'm going to talk about my family and dating and really relatable things that like maybe sometimes it's just laughing at a bench, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the other one that you you were able to relate was I can't remember if it was Xavier's mother or Dotton's mother, but with her fashionable earrings, you said, oh, look at this. Braden's going to get offended. Or Bra- she just outdid Braden. I mean, that's just, that's good stuff. That's, like I said, it's, to catch on that is awesome. Xavier's uh, mom, and so did uh, Joey's mom. They both had, like, funky earrings on. And, like, you know, earlier in the season, I was dressing up as Braden wearing all these earrings. And, like, yeah, that's fun. Like, and even when I saw Braden at first in the earrings, I'm like, Maybe I'm just like old millennial here. Like I'm like maybe everyone's wearing earrings, and then he had like six different pairs, and I was like, okay, this yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. We've, we've lost our way. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I've seen Braden. I follow him on Instagram, and when people there have been other people out there that make fun of him online for his earrings and take memes and other stuff, he seems to think it's funny. So I mean, that's the good thing no, is that he's not. He messaged. He messaged me actually. Okay. He was. Um, he couldn't have been cooler. I I like him. I'm. I'm I mean, to me also, like, what people forget is, like, you know, Brayden's 24, you know, like, 24 is, 24-year-olds are to be made fun of. Like, <laughs> I'm to be, you know, like, I, me at 24 should be made fun of. Like, you know, like, so I think sometimes when people take it too seriously, when they're like, oh, look at this Brayden guy, he's a dick. I'm like, no, he's a 24-year-old. Like, of course, you know, he's wearing an earring. The guy... He probably does yoga by the beach, and he's living a great life. Like, good for him. How long have you been doing the Bachelor and Bachelorette recaps through Instagram, where you just sit there and watch it on your TV and do Instagram stories on it? How many years have you been doing this? I, it's been... Or what season? Do you remember what the, season you started? I think it was JoJo's was the first one, maybe. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's been a long time. I, I Yeah, I, I, I've been doing it a while. I... I for me, it's always just like my own show. Like, yeah. you know, when someone's like, I, you know, when someone's like, I don't even watch the show anymore. I watch a recap. I'm like, yeah, you're watching a different show than the bachelor. Like I'm just here to have fun and make jokes. Um, yeah. It's been a long time. I, and, and it's, you know, it's funny because in the beginning I was taking Monday nights off from doing stand up. Uh, you know, I worked the comedy cellar in New York city and people, you know, other comics would be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, I'm yelling at the bachelor. They're like, you're, they, they thought it was crazy. And I'm like, well, I don't know. It feels like people want to, you know, come to shows because they see me be funny on this thing. Yeah. And then that, and it kept getting, you know, I'm getting more and more views and it, and I enjoy, I really love doing it. Like I really <laughs> have such a fun time. And if anyone watched me do it, they'd be like, wow, this guy's the biggest loser in the entire world. It's like me, like 
yelling at the TV, then getting mad at myself that I didn't yell the line right, and then me dressing up as Braden with seven different earrings. Like, it really looks like a big loser, but I, I, <laughs> I do have fun doing it. Oh, no. And we can tell as an audience you're, you're having fun doing it because it's, I mean, it's, like I said, it's really fun. <coughs> it's very creative. And you are a, Thank you, man. you know, you were a professional comedian. So everyone, right. every once in a while, there are people online that can get out some great tweets or great one liners or whatever when it comes to this show. But when you can consistently week in and week out, make it funny the way you do. I mean, it's just, I get a kick out of them. They're really, they're really good. Um, Steve, that truly means a lot to hear. I, I do. I love doing it. So when someone uh, understands it and has fun with it, it means a lot. So thank you. No, you're welcome. Um, so I wanted to transition into your stand-up life, stand-up career. Mm. As I said, you have your first Netflix special coming out <laughs> August 15th. It's called uh, 37 and Single. You're 38 now. You filmed it when you were 37. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, tell everybody, you know, kind of your journey in stand-up because 13 years and getting that first special at 37 on Netflix, that's going to be huge. And I, I got to believe you're super uh, proud of that. Uh, I'm, I've never been more. This has been the greatest couple weeks of my life because I found out a couple weeks ago and then you start promoting it. And like, it's, um, you know, I'm proud of the special. If you're 37, if you're single, if you've ever been single, if you've ever dated, if you've ever gone through a breakup, if you've ever been on a dating app, if you've ever had body issues, if you've ever dealt with your parents trying to fix you up, if you've dealt with your friends moving on into the next phase of life and you're, you know, waiting for that to happen, you're going to relate to the special. You're going to love it. It's relatable humor. It's about, it's just like my live stream. It's all just meant to be fun. But it's like um, when I started, um, I was 25 years old and um, I was going to open mics and kind of learning about this world. And it felt like I was in grad school because I just wanted to be funny. I just wanted to be funny for a living. And I you know, took all these like uh, improv and sketch class. I was just learning about it. And stand up just always felt right. I love stand up. It's just like it is the most it, 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 and it's like a you know, stand-up is just such a long process. You know, you got to go on stage to do it. You can't do it from your couch. So, um, and I, and basically this special is a snapshot of my life on December, 2022. And I, I was single, I, I, you know, single on dating apps, getting frustrated by them. And then, you know, trying to, you know, deal with my family and all that stuff. So it's been fun. I love doing stand. I love traveling the country and all these bits, you know, over the course of a year and a half, I was honing these bits and there's a bachelor joke on there. And like, you know, I think when people watch the bachelor, they kind of put themselves in the shoes of the bachelor. Yeah. So that's like where the bit kind of came from where it's like, you know, people, especially, you know, this, like if you watch the bachelor, you're a fan of the show and you're single, people go, you should go on. You should go on. They, that's all they say to you. You should go on. And like, I'm always like, no, I shouldn't. I've met them. They're all like elm tree, you know, Greek gods and goddesses. <laughs> like, like I'm five foot eight and I need to lose about 20 pounds perpetually. Like I'm not going on this show. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've had comedians on, uh, in the past, I, I always ask them the same thing. I've had Nikki Glazer on. I've had Heather McDonald on, mm -hmm. a few others. And I always ask, like, who, when you, you started at 25, and mm -hmm. I'm sure you watched stand-up specials growing up. Who were some of your guys or women in I'm the industry that you loved? Uh, I'm going to interrupt you right now. I can give you one name, and everyone who's listening can go watch his special, and it's who I just love as and he's only he's got a couple specials but the one special it's on youtube you can find it kevin james sweat the small stuff oh yes that, oh yes that special was on comedy central like on repeat and every, i love that special <laughs> every it literally was on every day and i love kevin james because he's physical it's relatable it's fun he's got a bit about you know every bit still lands oh yeah and it's um he's got a bit about even the one bit about someone telling you a phone number oh. you're like i can't believe that still works oh it, it's a classic and it just like right you know that's you know exactly the one i'm talking about yep. and so you know so kevin james is really like if i could be two comics rolled into one 
it would be Kevin James and Bill Burr. I would say like that would be the greatest compliment in the world because, you know, Kevin's probably way more clean than I am. And I'm talking about, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm dirty, but I'm, you know, Kevin's a little bit more, um, you know, family friendly, but I would say that like, I rant like Bill Burr and I move like Kevin James. I would think that would be the, the thing that I would love to be known for. But, um, yeah, that's definitely my go-to. Interesting that you say that special and him because now putting it together and seeing some of your clips of, of stand-up, um, I, I can totally, I totally see it. Now it makes sense. Like, <laughs> thank and, you. And, I appreciate and that particular, that's a huge compliment. Yeah, and that particular stand-up special, like I said, that the phone, the phone, uh, the phone number bit, um, the greeting cards bit. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, there's the so pizza many. Pizza wheel. Yeah, the I mean. Pizza. <laughs> He's it was and like you said that still plays today and and usually when you look back on comedy ten or fifteen years ago it doesn't or it just you know it, right. it, it's for that time you're like okay this was funny <coughs> at the time he did it but it doesn't really translate to 2023 no that phone bit that phone number bit still translates to today although you couldn't although, be more right although wait wait a second do we actually <laughs> Of, of all my best friends, I don't think I know there are any of their phone numbers because you just put it in your phone <laughs> once and then you never you never have to worry about it again. So maybe it doesn't. Uh, but right. but when when we were all in that age of writing people's phone numbers down or relaying a phone number to somebody, yes, exactly. He it, he nails it. I mean, it's so it's so good. I mean, the pizza wheel doing the pizza math, him going to the bank and walking through the line. Every time I walk through a line that has no line in it, I think of him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I recently was like, I was, I got a call recently where they were like, uh, my agent, and this is going to make me sound very Nick Vial in Hollywood. Um, the, my agent call was like, hey, there's an opportunity where you might have to do stand up between Adam Sandler and Kevin James. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, my Jewish hero and my stand up hero, I could go in between them. And uh, it didn't work out, but I, I spent the day literally waiting in the airport because they were like, can you not fly out yet? Because you might have to do this show. And I'm like, I will sit in this airport for the rest of my life to do that show. And I, I, I it didn't work out, but you know, maybe one day. Have you ever met Kevin James? No, no. I, I wrote him a DM. I tried to DM him. I slid into the DMs um, <laughs> and uh, it didn't work out. And then. But, you know, one day, I, you know, you meet – I've met a bunch of comedians that are, like, heroes and idols of mine, and it's always very cool. And, and you know, comics are – you know, I do think doing stand-up is especially humbling because it doesn't matter – you know, it's like kind of like golf. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are, you still have bad days. So, like, I think it's hard for comics to get too high on themselves. So I think when you meet them, it's always a really nice experience. So how does one, I've always been interested in this because when I was growing up and mm -hmm. I, I'm about 10 years older than you. So when I was growing up, my whole thing was every year, Rodney Dangerfield had his HBO special and I would put mm -hmm. that thing in the recorder, record it, and I would just wear it out. I'd watch it over and over and over again. If anybody goes back and watches those Rodney Dangerfield specials, I mean, some of the all-time comedians got, right. their, got their start there. and. And then HBO had Carlin had his one special every year that I'd look forward to. And then right. more people started doing it. But now, in the day and age of social media, it is completely different because, first right. off, you've got some comedians. I saw I saw Chris Rock, I think, five or six years ago in Vegas at the MGM Grand. Now you've got comedians who you know make you lock up your phone and don't let right. you record. And, you know, the big names. <laughs> I, I get it. The Chappelle's, the Rock's got to do that. But right. um, for you... The, the process of of doing it, I, I would think that you would think social media has absolutely helped your career and the way you can promote things now. Oh my God, yeah! I mean, me yelling at the bachelor on Instagram got people to go to my shows. Yeah, it's it's how I can make a living, you know. So it used to be there were like five stand up comedians you that out there who could who were just stand ups. If you think about it, yeah. Like it was like Jim Gaffigan, um, Kathleen Madigan, like Earthquake. Um, like there were like you could count on your hand how many comedians were. J Brian Regan Brian is Regan. famously just a comedian, you know? That's my guy. And then, right, Regan, one of the best. Yeah. And that now that's changed because, you know, and then what did you need to be able to become a comedian? You need another thing. You would need 
to be Raymond, you know, Ray Romano, everybody loves Raymond. You know, they, uh, they always had another thing. Seinfeld at Seinfeld, not to say that they wouldn't have been without those shows, but like, that's what kind of took you to the next level. Now, because of social media, you can create your own things and find your audience, go direct to consumer. You don't need, you know, the networks to tap you on the shoulder and cast you in something. So that's that brings a lot more work, but it also brings, you know, a lot more freedom, you know. So for me, you know, social media was the answer to my, you know, to what I was looking for. I love, you know, I podcast. I love doing podcasts. I love doing the live stream. I love putting out, you know, I put out holiday tweets. I'm my own network. So um, if, if someone likes what I do online, they can go, oh, he's got live shows. And then, you know, what ends up happening is like, you got to bring it at those live shows. Well, you know, people don't care if they come see you because they know you're on the internet, they'll give you one chance. They won't give you a second if you're not good on that one time. So for me, it was always about like doing my stuff online that I put out there. That's the commercial. And then working really hard at the clubs to make sure I had an act that was worth coming to a second and a third time. So how does the Netflix thing come about? Is it something where you say, I'm going to shoot a special and pitch it, or Netflix comes to you and says, we want you to do a special, we will produce it for you? How does it work? Both of those options are options. Okay. My the, what, what happened for me is I had an hour of material. Um, I paid and made the special. So I, you know, put up my own money to make a special. I got Betches, the media company that I do my podcast with, uh, the UA podcast Betches. I asked them to be a co-producer and let's go sell a special together. And then we took it to the market. We went to all the networks that were in this and we taped it in December, 2022. So like, you know, this is a long process. So we go to all the streamers, they all kind of say no. And then Netflix uh, is like, uh, we're going to do it, you know? So, hmm. and then, so they kind of buy into me and the special that I made. So, which is like the greatest compliment validating feeling. But like, you know, the thing is with the internet, you know, I made it because there was a place to put it if all else failed. If everything, if everyone in the world said no, I'd go to YouTube and we'd say, hey, it's on YouTube. Have at it, you know? So the internet kind of, allows for me to make that investment because I think Bill Burr said it and I don't know Bill Burr, but I heard this quote, you know, in the game of the telephone that he was like, it just becomes an expensive business card. So if that's what it was, then that was what it was. That's okay. That, you know, and hopefully that, you know, maybe on YouTube, it would have gotten millions of hits, but I don't know. But now it's on you, you know, Netflix is brings credibility with it, you know, to me and it's validating and it feels great. And honestly, that's where I wanted it the whole time because I knew the people that usually like what I do, they are people who turn on Netflix and see who the new special is, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think I saw this recently. I'm trying to remember who it was, but they released, um, they released a YouTube special that they did for them, you know, uh, you know, an hour set and they mm -hmm. do it. They release it on YouTube and I think it got up to, two, Oh, it was, um, it was Kelsey cook. So I saw, I'm, yeah. I like Kelsey stuff. She's really funny. Mm -hmm. And, Kelsey's great. I think she said, I think her recent one that she put up is up to 2 million views. So she doesn't have a Netflix special, but can she now go to Netflix and be like, look, I put something up on YouTube that's got 2 million views. If not, obviously it's going to keep increasing more now. Isn't that a selling point? If you're, if Netflix didn't pick you up, you could have, like you said, gone to YouTube, put it up there and mm -hmm. then just said, look at my views. I would think Netflix right. looks at that, right? But you would think I, you know, I don't know. I couldn't speak for them, but I could say to you like, you know, a comic with 2 million views on YouTube is going to be able to tour a little bit more than a comic without it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, sure. and all of us want to tour. Like, I love doing live shows. Like, I want, like, I already have another hour ready. Like, I have a new hour ready. Like, if you came to my show tomorrow, it's going to be new jokes than what it's going to be on August 15th. So, that's because I love doing stand-up. And the minute it got done taping, I went out the next night and did new shows and tried to do new jokes. So, like, Someone like Kelsey, like, yeah, when she goes to make the next one, I'm sure that's going to be a part of someone's decision-making process. Oh, look at the public. You know, like, I, and it, it, that's the hard part about stand-up is, like, listen, you know, the public just said we like her. You know what I mean? Like, you would think that they would, you know, hopefully that gets taken into account. 
So for sure. I mean, I, you know, look, I, I, I've noticed so much more in recent years, obviously. And even just my search bar on Instagram mm-hmm. is a bunch of standups and I'm, I'm finding right. standups now that I have never heard of before that I'm like, these guys are, these guys and girls are really funny. I found Kelsey on Instagram. Um, I listen, you, you go to the comedy cellar on any night of the week. It's the best lineups in the world, and you're not gonna you're gonna be introduced to such amazing talent. Yeah. So like, and I get to be around them every night. And listen, that's why New York is the place to do stand up. Like, I have to keep up with these people. You know, I have to keep up. I have to be as good as the person who went before me and the one that went after me. So, you know that that's why I'm always like, hey, like if someone's looking for something to do in New York City, the comedy cell. Go, go. You're gonna have a great time, no matter who's on the lineup. Yeah. No, I mean it's, and those are some of the clips that I see all the time. I see, right, whether it's Joe List or Sam Morrill up there. It's just I constantly seeing those guys. Those guys are working, and then I see, oh look, Sam Morrill's got a you know not a world tour, but he's doing a major tour. Uh, oh look, Joe List right. is doing this. Like these guys are great, like, and they work hard. I just, at it, just I, like you do. I I just came back from doing Sam Morrill and Mark Norman's podcast, and I just saw Joe List. Yeah. Like these are all P, you know, we're all in this scene, and you know. Unlike Nick Vial, I like <laughs> rising people up. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I like seeing, you know, stand-ups get platforms. And, you know, I do a, my own podcast. Every every episode is a new stand-up on the show. So, like, you know, that's really, you know, I, I do feel that the stand-up community is a very special, fun community. And it's cool to be a part of it. And, like, again, when you do a Netflix special, you're like, it's a validating thing where like, yeah, I am a part of this group, you know? And then what and I'll even, you know, another person, Burt Kreischer. Yeah. You know, Burt Kreischer has had me on his podcast two different times and is going to have me on again. He doesn't need me on his podcast. He doesn't need me. You know, he's doing, you know, but Burt is such a great guy and supports other comics because he, I, I, I really think like there's a love for the community. And, so for you, what is your process? Are you a guy that does voice notes when you notice something, or is it something that you you write stuff down when you're out and about? How does it work for you? Pen and paper. Pen and paper. I can't remember anything. I can't remember anything unless I write it down with a pen, which is very like annoying. I wish I could type it because I've tried just to make my pockets less full. Um, but I'm always writing things down. I notes write them in the notes and then I write it in my notes app to like for when I go out at night, mm-hmm. but it's always uh, pen and paper. And then, you, you know, the process is, it, you know, stand up is really, really hard for people to do. Everyone thinks they can do it in the same way. I think I can eat healthy, <laughs> you know, like, cause then you got to do it, you know, diet and exercise is really easy advice to give and tough to take Stand ups, You know, the process is pretty easy. Go on, you know, write a couple notes down, go on stage, do it, record the set, go back, listen to the set, rewrite the jokes. That's really all you have to do. It's just not a lot of people do that. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's not easy. It's not just about telling jokes. It's about timing. It's about where you want to emphasize in, in your set, in your, in your particular bit. I mean, there's so many different things that go along with it and, you know, everyone's got different styles. Like there is, you've got the yellers, you've got the people that are super mm-hmm. quiet, you've got the people like uh, Jeselnik that are just, just absolutely and, deadpanned and one-liners. You know, it's just it's different for everybody. And you have to do it again and again yeah. and again, and you can't do it from your house. You got to go out. You got to go on stage. You got to get in front of people. And yeah, it, and as you said, like there's so many different types. I. I Stand up is the most diverse workplace that exists. Yeah. You know, there's a background. Every every background has a comedian that's out there. Your big thing um, uh, recently that I, I've noticed in a lot of your recent videos is uh, on stage uh, is crowd work. And that's becoming mm-hmm. that's becoming a bigger thing now because back in the 80s and 90s, it was just get up there for, for a set and tell jokes, you know, right. and tell stories. Right. Crowd work was never really a thing. Now it's becoming, I mean, it's made Matt Reif's career, essentially, at this point. <laughs> uh, he's, he's blown up because of his crowd work. But obviously, a lot of other people do crowd work now, and it's, it's huge for you. And one of your things is you like to ask the audience about their current icks. So where did that mm. come from? So 
the crowd work thing is happening on social media because comedians don't want to give up their bits. Hmm. So Makes sense. they're posting crowd work videos because again, like, as I said, it's like, it's a commercial for the act you're going to see. So here's a little taste of what this person's like. Um, I, as far as like the, when the special comes out, I'll start putting out all my clips and from the special and start putting out bits and all that stuff. Um, so the reason that there, you see so many crowd work bits is because people don't want to waste their material. Um, I have a bit that's about the ick. I didn't know what it was. And it's on the special. If you watch it, 37 and single, it's on Netflix, August 15th. Um, but there's a bit, a bit about dating icks. So during the show, when I'm on the road and doing an hour of material, I would say I would do my ick bit. And then in the middle of it, it had this like built-in area to be like, hey, does anyone have some icks? And now I could kind of like crowdsource the bit and I would add the fun ones to the bit that I was already doing. Gotcha. So in the middle of this bit that, you know, if you came to a show, you know, I wouldn't want to be at a show where a comedian did crowd work the whole time. That wouldn't be my cup of tea. I do understand if you see these videos online, you go, well, I guess that's all he does, you know, I, which is, you know, that <laughs> I'm going to have to put that, you know, on my radar for my branding department, <laughs> AKA me. So, but um, if you watch the special, like the special has this bit about the ick and, you know, to break up a show. And I do think when people go to a live show, you want to see the tight wire act a little bit. So I go, so I would go to the crowd and I'd be like, does anyone have X? And I would just be the guy in the room. Cause it was mostly women yelling out, Oh, this thing gave me the X, this thing gave me the X. And then I would just kind of like highlight how ridiculous they were, or how true they were, like mm -hmm. why I could understand it or why I couldn't understand it. So, you know, sometimes a woman would be like, you know, when he sneezes and you'd be like, oh, a bodily function, that's a little ridiculous. You know, and then other women would be like, oh, when he can't merge into traffic and no one will let him in. I'm like, yeah, that's a really, you're right. That isn't a fuckable look for a guy <laughs> to be sitting there being like, everyone's a jerk today. No one's letting me in, you know, so it would go all ways. But it was always so much fun because everyone got into it. And then it was an easy thing for me to put online without ruining the show that I was going to town to do. I've got two icks. I want to share them with you. Mm. I came in and this and this was just something. This isn't even like dating icks. It's just icks that like maybe it's more pet peeves. <laughs> I guess they could uh -huh. probably be the same thing. But guys who tuck in their polo shirts, just an ick to me. I just think that's ridiculous. <laughs> if you're a golfer, you're allowed to. But outside of outside right. of being on the golf course, no, you don't tuck in your polo shirt. Sorry. So you're so you're not into uh, Southern dads, okay? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then this one drives me nuts. Pet peeve waiters who don't write down your order and i've always said this I, and i'm like and i've always said this i'm like look if you're my waiter and you don't write down my order that's fine but then when you right. come back and it's screwed up I, it drives me up a wall because seemingly every waiter who's never written down my order gets something wrong at least one thing wrong and i'm like yeah exactly because you, you didn't write it down like i don't you get know it it's funny <laughs> you know what's funny steve one, I always say this on stage because the best icks are when one woman's ick is another woman's husband. <laughs> like to me, like that's the fun of the ick is like, it's not about saying like, you know, fuck all men. It's just about saying, I don't want to fuck that particular man. Yeah. And because your ick about waiters who don't write anything down is my dad's, you know, my dad's most cherished person. I think my dad gets off to a waiter <laughs> not writing it down and then getting it right. Like when they get it right, that's all he can talk about the rest of the week. <laughs> that's that's funny cuz I seemingly <laughs> you know? can't find one that doesn't write it down and right. gets it right. Yeah. I mean that's Oh my god, if 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 a waiter takes our order, doesn't write it down and walks away, my dad's like, "Oh my god, did you see? They didn't write it down." Like it's as if like Captain America is our waiter. Like he is so impressed cuz if they get it right, he is like I might. I think my dad's like, let me disown you, and I will adopt that waiter as my new child. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you. I'm sure at some point in your career, maybe you had a whole bit on the restaurant industry <laughs> or waiting industry. I don't know. Because um, sure. I mean, there's there's tons of them out there. Uh, I think it's yeah, it's it's really it's really funny, and I I I love your I love the ick stuff. I love, you know, I do love crowd work i think it's i think it's becoming like i said more and more prevalent but that is interesting that you say 
the reason you're seeing it so much on Instagram is because people don't want to give away their set, which totally makes right. sense. Because then maybe you won't no, see somebody if you see it 30 minutes online, you know? Right. You know, everything's good in small doses. It's like, you know, my parents come to shows and they see, if they see me talk to the audience too much, my dad's like, come on, move it along. And then, you know, if you don't do it at all, he's like, why don't you loosen up with the audience? You know, there's a happy medium of all this stuff. Yeah, I... I'm like I said, I've been a fan of stand up for years. I go all the time. Have you done? I'm in Dallas. Have you done Addison Improv mm. or no? Of course. One of the best clubs in the country. What a fun club. When, Short on the right, long on the left. Yeah, that's right. When yeah. are you? Do you have an Addison date coming up anytime soon? Are you coming um, out here anytime I soon? I don't. I, I, I love going down. I was there, I think, right after I taped the special. I love the Addison Improv. I, I hopefully I'm back soon. I was just talking about a bar I love down there um, in Dallas. The name of the bar I'm going to tell you right now is the Inwood Tavern. Okay, yeah. Oh man, I love partying there. Like that's a great place to have a drink after the show. I would always, you know, go out there afterwards. But yeah, no, I love I love the Addison Improv. Okay, yeah, I've seen plenty of people there. I usually try and go about three or four times a year, and. Um, yeah, I definitely want to catch We're going to make it you. happen next time. Yeah, next time uh, you are, are hitting up Addison, I definitely want to I want to see that because, you know, like I said, we, we talk about this. We talk about Bachelor and Bachelorette. And like I said, you've you've really – you've like I've – like I said, I recognize you. I mean, you've come across to me because of what you've done. Like you said, it's commercial for yourself. And like I said, I found Absolutely. so many more comedians on social media that – I was like, oh, where's their stand-up special? Oh, well, they don't have to have a special to actually be really damn funny. And right. just seeing them all over Instagram and TikTok and just clips here and there. And just, I, you know, you, I love hearing a good joke, a good joke that's well thought out, well written, not just, you know, there's easy jokes to write. And then there's the I, stuff that you do with Bachelorette where you like take that bench in three different scenes <laughs> and you make a joke out of it. Like that's smart. That's smart comedy, smart I, humor, you know? I, I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. No, I definitely, uh, I definitely think you are um, you're up and coming, and I, I'm so happy to hear because for me, having watched stand up as as I have for as long as I have, um, you can tell. And you mentioned it earlier when we were talking. You meet, you said like, hey, the people that get offended and the opinions that think everything's offensive, they're just not working at it. And I can tell that you right. are somebody that has put in the grind and got in front of people, and that's that's how you advance in this industry. You've got to get out in front of a crowd because that's how you, that's the only way you know how, if your stuff is working, really. I mean, the reaction a that it absolutely, absolutely. And I appreciate that. And like, that's, you know, comics, we just love people who love stand up. Like we, we just, it's like, it's always a pleasure to like, you know, when people enjoy it and see the hard work and all that stuff, it means a lot. Have you, I mean, just one final thing here. Sure. <sighs> I don't want to say like name the worst gig you've ever performed at, but I always, I, I'm always interested in everyone. Every stand up has got a story of, Oh shit. I was on a cruise ship in front of three people. They were both over, although all of them were over 80, okay. you know, what, what is you, one of your worst ones? You, you ready? I was booked in uh, a show in Connecticut and to promote the club, the club made a deal with a local minor league baseball team. <laughs> to have a comedian go on the field and do stand-up comedy for the audience at a minor league baseball game. Oh, now, Jesus. if you've ever been to a minor league baseball game, it's all kids and their parents. Yeah. Like, it's not like – this isn't like a stand-up crowd. Also, um, they asked like – I get – you know, when I first started, I said yes to everything. So, like, they asked like – they told me they asked like 30 comics, and I was the first one to say yes. <laughs> and – I go and so we get to the baseball stadium and I'll never forget it. I thought it would be before the game because at least people would be seated for the game or during one of the innings. They did it after the game. So like the game is over and they're going to have a fireworks display. It's like a summer night and I'll never forget it. And I go on, I go, I'm about to run on the field and they're like marketing guy goes on the field. And he's like, who's ready for the fireworks? And these kids went so nuts. They were like, I can't wait to see fucking fireworks. <laughs> and then he goes, but first, we have a stand-up comedian. And 
you just i look in the crowd these children that were in the crowd you you just saw like 10 year olds like look at their mom be like what the fuck is a stand-up comedian like they were like what is what's going on here yeah and then i ran out on the field and i had to do 10 minutes to get paid and it, it was i remember i was like okay i'll just go tell them i'll be like I'll just get them jazzed up by the fireworks. So I went to the first baseline. I was like, are you guys ready for fireworks? And they were like, yeah. And then I went to the third baseline. I was like, are you ready for fireworks? And they were like, yeah. And then I go to the home base, uh, you know, behind home plate. I'm like, are you guys ready for fireworks? They're like, ah. And then I like, I go back to the first baseline. I was like, are you guys giving up for the troops? And they're like, yeah. And I just kept going around. And I like legit, I asked them to cheer for the troops, the fireworks. You know, the moms, the dads. And I'm like, okay, I got to be like eight minutes in. I looked at the clock like a minute had gone by. And then I had to like do nine minutes of just bombing for like 1,400 people. It was, it was, and I ran off the field. The owner of the club was like, okay, let's go. And we had to drive all the way back together. Just so bad. I mean, there's so many things wrong with that. Number one, the crowd. (laughs) Number two, your closeness to the crowd is is nothing. I mean, you're on a field. And <laughs> right. I'm a pitcher. They're yards away from you. I mean, the whole point of comedy yeah. is to be in an enclosed, you know, setting where everyone. The other thing is nobody went to that game to laugh. And there's no, there's a bunch, you know, this, there's a bunch of, I was at one last week. I was out in Huntington beach at coaches mm-hmm. and, you know, I was going to see my friend perform stand up, and, you know, mm-hmm. no, no diss to coaches or whatever. I loved, they had a great pasta. I loved it. But it was one of those things where it was a bar slash restaurant with a microphone stuck in the middle of it. And it's like (laughs) these people, they didn't come to laugh. They came to eat dinner and comedy's going on in the background. And it's like, man, that sucks. And that was your audience. They didn't come to to watch a comedian. No, 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 no. I've done stand-up next to more buffets than I want to admit to. (laughs) Just brutal. Yeah, no. It happens because... It, what ends up happening is like one person in the room is like, we should get a comedian. And everyone's like, mm, okay. And then one person cares. So you get like one person who booked you who's happy. And everyone's like, I guess. And then you go up and it's like me next to a pasta maker. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, she had a great set. I thought it was funny, mm. but it just, the, the crowd, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, hey, we're going out to watch comedy tonight. It was, hey, no, let's I- go eat dinner and have a drink. And there's comedy happening at the place that we're at. You know, it's just, I, I can tell vibe. you right now, I know it was a tough set because whenever your friend comes and says, I thought it was funny, that means it was a tough road. <laughs> oh yeah. She was well aware. She was well aware. The crowd was, uh, was not into it. And, but it was, you know, I, you support and, um, you know, it's one of these things where it, if you're a comedian and you're starting out and you know, she's fairly early, uh, in her stand-up mm-hmm. career again, those are the type of gigs you have to do. Like you said, you kind of have to uh, say yes to everything. You know, you you got to do. You got to say yes. Yeah, you got to do it. It's uh, it's brutal, but you know the reward is high. Yeah, Jared, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Once again, August fifteenth, Netflix special, thirty-seven and single. I'll definitely be watching. Check him out, Jared Freed on Instagram. You can watch all of his Bachelor and Bachelorette. Recaps. I'm sure you're going to do it for Bachelor in Paradise when that happens too. So um, uh, we uh, will definitely be tuning in for that again. First time we had you on, but definitely want to have you on again in the future. And definitely let me know uh, when you're in Addison again. Absolutely, Steve. I can't thank you enough. I've been following you around for years, and it really means a lot that you had me on. I really do appreciate. It. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll be in touch. Absolutely. You got it. Thank you so much to Jared uh, for coming on. I love having comedians on the podcast, especially first-timers like him. And just to see a 13-year comedian getting his first special coming out in two weeks, that's going to be awesome. If you haven't watched his Bachelorette recaps on Instagram, he just releases them on his story. He just sits there and watches the show and makes fun of it. And his observations are so dead on. And look... I mean, I I know that he doesn't want to call out Nick too much because he still wants it to happen to go on Nick's podcast. But I, I'm telling you, Nick, this is the exact type of person Nick would never put on his show because this guy would outstage Nick. And this guy would make Nick look so not funny. And people would, 
you know, like like Jared had talked about in the podcast, like comedians support comedians. They want to help other comedians. That's why he says, you know, Burt Kreischer doesn't have to have me on his podcast, but he does because he's looking to help other comedians. Nick is out for himself. Nick would never support anybody else that is up and coming or, I mean, look, Everybody knows, I mean, Jared Freed has made his name in the Bachelor and Bachelorette world because of these recaps. He is one of the funniest guys out there that does this, you know, and Nick, if it's not going to benefit Nick at all, it's not going to happen and it sucks, but I'll put Jared on. I'll put him on every fucking week if I have to, but no, he was great and uh, I can't wait for his stand up to come out, but yeah, check him out on his Instagram. His TikTok is the wizard of ha. That's his TikTok name, but yeah, he's Jared Freed on Instagram, and check out all of his bits and his stand-up. August 15th on Netflix, coming out, 37 and single. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow in Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. Uh, Today's Daily Roundup has been already posted. You can also check out the Sports Daily. That went up about an hour ago as well. So, thank you all for listening. really appreciate it for Jared Freed. I'm Reality Steve, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!